right, welcome. Today we're going to talk about the Atlanta episode, Go For Broke, the third. My name's Joe, I'm here with... Galen. Brent. All right. What do we think of this episode? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, more of the same. More great More great stuff. So more great, yeah. You know, I, I, that's what I mean by more of the same. You know, I, I actually, I do think that this is uh, kind of different from some of the episodes that we've seen thus far. Uh, I mean, only two. Uh, but the third episode in, definitely still maintaining interest and, and like, still finding oh, yeah. ways to keep kind of, like, questioning and challenging at least my expectations for the show. Yeah, I think so. I think, um... I actually was was struck by how structurally similar this one was to the last episode, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? I mean, basically, we have um, a central theme, right? Which I guess I'm going to call something like finances and masculinity, yep. right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree. And, um, and now we have, you know, that established two separate adventures of, like, you know, our, our two heroes and their kind of uh, misadventures with Finances and masculinity, yeah. how they play out in different ways. Yeah. yeah, and we do get this very brief little kind of like touchstone scene with them together early on in the episode, exactly. just like we did last time, right. right? I mean, you know, we see them dealing with all kinds of stuff that they're dealing with, but just enough to kind of check in, make sure we know that their stories are not just important to each other or to themselves, but like to each other, you know, kind of keeps us invested in their investment in them. Yeah. So it's like a, I agree, definitely similar structure, but I think definitely effective in that they both go on very different kind of like character journeys, but still, you know, um, neither one seems to be a, like a real departure from the other. Yeah. I mean, th- that's not a criticism, you know, the, the similarities, I think. I actually think that, like, because, um, I don't know, this is the first time where we see them as kind of like everyday living in a way. I, I guess we did that a little in the first episode, but the second episode was so specific to like being in jail, you know what I mean? It's such a cause and effect. Yeah, for Earn anyway, maybe not so much for Al. But that, you know, that's an extraordinary happening. That doesn't, you know, that's not really about the day-to-day life. The idea that this one is more kind of like, you know, st- like we're just going on a date, you know, we're just trying to deal drugs like any other day. Like, those kind of things, I, I think I think it's the right touch for the kind of overall arc of the season, you know, as it, as it works. But, um, all right, so a couple things. First off, um, I don't think there's anything surrealistic in this at all, right? Mm. I don't think anything surreal, but there is one moment that I feel like she's referring to that surreal incident that happens in the bus. Like, this is towards the end of the episode when they first get home yeah. um, from the date. So maybe we're kind of skipping around here in terms yeah, of any right. kind of chronological whatever, but, uh, yeah. but you know, her, like, opening line to him when they come in the door, and, you know, last time we've seen them was her kind of chastising him for not tipping the yeah. waitress, uh, and then they come back into their home, and, or her home, really, and she says, you know, well, maybe if you got this job, this new security guard job, you wouldn't have to take your daughter on the bus with the yeah. weirdos. You get a car um, or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, you get a car and you wouldn't have to uh, ride with your daughter on the bus with weirdos, and you know, which seems to be kind of a clear throwback to like definitely the most surreal moment of the series thus far yeah. when he has that whole conversation with that other guy on the bus. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, but I think that's, I mean, you could also say some of the weird Migos stuff in the woods was, <laughs> was, a, was a little strange, but, um, but all like of this world, you yeah. know, a heightened sense of this world, but not really supernatural. Right. Bizarre. You know? Sure. Yeah. But nothing outright, um, metaphysical. Yeah. I think you're right though. I think they do want to kind of keep us reminded of like these weird instances. I, yeah. That's a good point. Mm. Um, all right. So going back to that central theme, right? So, I mean, I really love this show because of, I think it's kind of commitment to and kind of play with variations on how these guys are kind of like dealing with the modern worlds, right? In Ern's case, it's domestic. In Al's case, it's what? Professional, I guess. But really what it all boils down to is how do I make a living in this world with my kind of, uh, I guess, limited means, you know, limited education, um, I mean, in in Ern's case, it seems like his dreams are getting away. That's kind of what that conversation is about. And all of the kind of pitfalls of that. I think it's handled well. Maybe more explicitly in Ern's case than in Al's. But if we kind of look at how his day goes, he's basically scrutinized by by women the whole day. His entire mm-hmm. life, yeah. I mean, right? every second of that yep. episode, yeah. he's, he's yeah. It's on the receiving end. Yeah. 
Right. right. Well, that now that opening moment, I, I mean, to me is is I think uh, definitely an extension on that financial limitation, right? An extension on the that. Happy I mean, meal. He, the happy meal, right? right? I mean, yeah. he can't afford a full grown up meal, so he has to buy this child's meal. Um, that to me actually kind of reminded me more of that last episode than the other one did because we're kind of starting off with him kind of in the face of this bureaucracy or in the face right. of these like limitations right. that like to him are just so illogical, you know? And it's just like why, why wouldn't it matter? Like, well, it, it, it is. Know, it is totally ridiculous, yeah. you know, but that that those rules are unflinching, and sorry, that's just the way it has to work. And I think the contrast here too, so the idea that he says it really quietly because he's embarrassed about getting the yeah. kids' meal, yeah. it's infantilizing, right? Absolutely. And then he, Absolutely. she, this woman calls him out, and she also says, "I didn't get to become the morning yeah. shift manager by letting." And she's right; she's probably right. She's probably, right. she's probably somebody that, like, you know, said, "Like, hey, no, you can't fill that water cup with soda, whatever." And she got promoted. <laughs> she makes way more money than Ernie does yeah. working at this fast food place. Yeah. It's emasculating right. in many ways, and so, like, but it, it, I love that it doesn't really, like, you know, hit you over the head with it exactly. Yeah. It's a well, little more this, subtle than that. The show is brilliant at giving you both points of view. Right. Right? Yeah. I, right? I always, like, you know, I'm skipping a little bit. We'll, we'll, but that, that converse, the whole conversation on the date between Vanessa and Ern, I'm like, I go back and forth. I'm like, nobody is really, like, 100% sympathetic. No. You know, mm-hmm. it's... It, it, but even like a throwaway character like the, the day manager at the fast food place gets that same respect, right? Mm-hmm. She's probably right. Her adherence to rules, as illogical as they are, is a compromise she's willing to make in order to, you know, make the money she needs to make. And that's what the episode's about, yeah. right? Earns not. Right. Right? That's the thing. Yeah, he, he's uncompromising. Right? right? That's what he says. And and I think that that initial scene is like... I, I think so delicately done that could have so easily been like just a schlock bit of like a why can't I get a kid's meal what I need to have a kid with me you know like it, it just feels so earnest and so sad you know like when he has to order that, that that like you know the comedy just just like comes through in a so much more like official and like legitimate kind of way um, I also thought that that uh, quick pan over to the other woman who clearly catches the him the yeah. custodian who catches him as he's <laughs> filling his glass with soda was like a real kind of throwback to the uh, the pan that that we saw in the prison the, the yeah. week before. Uh, so love, I, I love a good pan gag. Yeah, exactly. It's, We're it's, on it's, pan it's, gags later. We, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great gags throughout this episode. I think that's that's coming throughout. Yeah. But uh, but like the the financial necessity, I think, is like what we see at the very beginning of this. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the idea that this isn't just like stuff he wants to do. And I think that the 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 kind of van complication, right, and that like he wants to impress her with money that he obviously doesn't have. Um, you know, is kind of an extension of kind of what he has to deal with in that first scene. Um, in the first scene, it's choosing between food and ultimately, I mean, he leaves it without food, you know? I mean, yeah. So we we kind of get this sense that, like, things didn't work out for him. Yeah. And It is weird that he doesn't get anything, though, right? Well, you know, why does it... Because he's embarrassed. It's not because, I mean, like... You could you get could, a thing of fries, maybe. You know for what I mean? For cheaper than right. a kid's meal. Sure. You could get something for cheaper than a kid's meal. But I think but that it's the... It speaks to his... You know his lack of exactly. compromise. You right. Know, he just He's like, well, if I can't get a kid's meal, right. then because it's not. I mean, I'm framing this as kind of a, a gender thing. You know what I mean? But I think that's that might even be second secondary to what you said before the bureaucracy of it, right? Mm-hmm. right. The kind of adherence to rules of there's a way you kind of go through the motions of the thing mm-hmm. that gets you rewarded. That that's the key to his character. Well, and I think those rules, and especially that idea of rewards, like there's that extra layer within this scene of like. Dude, you do have a kid, you know, right. but he's just not there with that kid at that time, you know. And so this idea of like these rules, like not only of this restaurant, but like these rules of society, like all these expectations of him as a father, you know, like which which comes back to that speech he has with Van, which comes back to like all that kind of stuff. Well, like, she, I mean, Van at the end of the episode is telling him the same thing: <laughs> if you just go to work and you just do this, then you do this, right? It's this system of how I'm supposed to live rather than authentically living, right? right? That's that's the big, mm-hmm. I think, um, conflict of his life. Yeah, and he says, I got to do it my way, which you get the sense, I mean, you know, he's given this speech to everyone he's known his entire life, you know, that this is not the first time that he's t- trusted himself despite the fact that other yeah. people see it as reckless. You know? His father says that in the first episode, right? He said, yeah. he says, I don't understand that boy, but I know if he's going to do it, he's going to do it his way. You, exactly. You yeah. get like... Like, echoes of it. Mm-hmm. This, well, that's the scene after he 
uh, tells him he can't come in, right? But doesn't the father then go back in to talk with Ern's mom? Like, isn't uh, yeah, I'm something not, like that. remembering that? But yeah, it's like that, like far more tender, like trust that he's going to make that. Yeah, this opening scene. Um, I've been rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, to gear up for the new season coming on. This will date this a little, I guess. But the um, uh, this this opening scene kind of reminded me of like a Larry David exchange, mm. and not at all. I was suggesting it's ripping it off or something. Right. But that idea of like you know that's that's what that's what Larry David's problem is, right? He he sees the world in this very specific way. He doesn't want to live with the unbending. He's unbending. Right. The rules, you know, seem ludicrous, so he's going to lash out against them. It's mm. a it's a similar kind of thing. I love that. That's yeah, perfect. Uh, you know, fodder for humor. Yeah. Well, and I think just like how interesting the tone difference between a show like this and a show like Curb, though. You know, I mean, yeah. like obviously oh, yeah. that the, the idea that we can empathize with with Earn way more than <laughs> Larry David. You know, I think, but uh, either way, I'm definitely a great opening scene. Yeah. So the. I like the the couple touches because you not only get the woman, you know, that that he has to shush about stealing the orange soda, it seems, you know. But um, I think that's also, like, you know, just a a nice little touch of another woman kind of, like, an authority figure. I mean, you know, she's mopping up the floor, but he's kind of afraid of her at this moment, right? He has to kind of charm her Mm -hmm. out of uh, blowing the lid on this, Mm -hmm. you know. Not that I think there's going to be much compromise, but, uh, or or much, uh, much, uh, Oh God! Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like negotiation? Or yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Confrontation? Yeah. Whatever. Um, None of that's gonna happen. But but I just think like small touches like that, mm-hmm. and then you kind of cut to that bird's eye view of the the mop bucket yeah, with the Atlanta, with the Atlanta yeah. you know. And we've all seen that floor. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I know that the yeah. tiling, like it looks yeah. so familiar. To oh, me. absolutely. You know, it's just like aesthetically, like really, I don't know. Oddly nostalgic, maybe. I don't yeah. know. There's something about it. Like. There's something, uh, I guess, standard um, fast food restaurant yeah, thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the tiles in my uh, my hallway when you come in. We mm-hmm. call them McDonald's tiles. <laughs> I love them. I won't get rid of them for that reason. Betty doesn't like them so much. I, I think it's a throwback. I love my yeah. hallway <laughs> with the McDonald's tiles. They're cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the opening song. Uh, come on, mm. I, I have to look at all these things, so I'm not really acquainted with them all, is a skirt by Kodak Black, mm-hmm. who seems to be a controversial figure, according to the uh, the internet. He seems oh. to be, uh, yeah, a bit of a, a misogynist old Kodak Black, and um, mm. has some very uh, uh, salty tweets. I think that this is um, way after the fact, the controversy. Uh, it, it all seems to be fairly recent, okay. you know, from the from the this summer, but... But yeah, it seems like, um, I don't know. The, the only uh, connection I could pull is the song skirt is about um, like screeching tires pulling away from a situation, like escaping from something. Huh. And it seems to be like escaping from women mostly, but also I think there's like drug references in it, you know. But basically, I got to get out of here. Right. Which, which does have some kind of similar kind of earned thing in the beginning as he kind he's of... He's got to like, get out of that restaurant. He's got to get out of the other restaurant <laughs> yeah. before she tries to upsell them on the dessert. Exactly. Like, he has to get out. And Al needs to get, get out, out of this situation. situation. Right. You know, so escape as kind of a little seed in the beginning, I thought was a, was a pretty interesting way to go yeah. about it. Mm. You know, other than that, I don't know anything really about uh, the song. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I will say this, though. Um, I think I said in the first podcast that... I wasn't really a fan of like Atlanta-based rap. Like I, I love a lot of rap, but most of the rap I listen to is either California-based or New York-based. But um, I'm I'm gaining an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I don't know that I throw like you know a Kodak Black or Amigos album in, but um, I'm starting to see the charm of it. It does have like a distinct kind of flavor that's. That that I think the show is teaching me to appreciate a little. I'm not you know sure. What I mean? if, yeah, I'm not sure if the show is teaching me to appreciate it like by itself. Like it's not making me like want to go out and just like listen to trap music all yeah. the time. But it, like it, it definitely, I'm seeing it like from an atmospheric level as way more powerful. Like it, you know, whereas in that first episode, you kind of get hit with that trap music right away. It's like okay, cool. Like we are in Atlanta. Got it. Like yeah. now there seems to be some kind of nuance and texture to like how different trap beats are used at different times, or like you know when does it get really loud? What those different kind of moments um and so i i think because of that it's it's kind of enlightening in in that way i don't know if yeah. that's just exposure or, or the show itself yeah i was wondering about that i mean mm-hmm. is it just you know because i don't i haven't really 
you know, I'm tuning this out, you know? Well, I don't know. Maybe I, you're I, not a huge Gucci Mane fan, right? I, I don't I don't know Gucci Mane. Is that like, like these are like huge stars. Yeah. Incredibly popular. No, yeah. Migos had like the a number one hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't I even know. know that it was that. Like, I know, I know that song. What is it? Uh... Uh, bougie, bougie. Uh, yeah, oh, it? something in bougie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I sound like jerks because it's like like a crazy <laughs> popular song, popular. and I know the song. And quite frankly, like I don't love that song. I find it yeah. kind of boring, and right. I think a lot of, but I think a lot of the charm of that music style is it, that it it kind of has that like it's all of it sounds the same. To it's me. atmospheric, exactly, right? right? Exactly. It's I I mean I always get the impression that Atlanta-based rap doesn't really have too much to say, except for, like, Killer Mike. That's different, yeah. right? Right? Um, he Literally. sounds more to me like, you know, Public Enemy. <laughs> sure, you know, well, yeah, of, Run the Jewels, especially. Of the late 80s, that, yeah. right. Um, but, yeah, no, it all seems to be just more kind of, like, aesthetic than it mm. is message-based. Mm. I guess I always like message-based stuff. Mm. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, Joe actually recommended to Galen and I um, the uh, a Noisy episode um, that was all about Atlanta trap music, um, and specifically it uh, talks with uh, you know some some really cool like kind of rappers of this kind of trap environment. Twenty One Savage, Twenty yeah, One Savage, yeah, Little Yachty. Amigos, Little Yachty. Yachty, yeah. So I mean, like a lot of I guess apparently big members of that like whole trap community, yeah. um, and really um, I, for me, I was actually really glad to have seen it before this episode in particular because this is where we start to really see that fusion of hip hop and drugs, um, right. because you know before we've got this, you know, Paperboy character as this hip-hop star, and we certainly see him from, you know, the YouTube perspective and from the, the pop radio perspective and kind of that end of fame. Um, and, you know, we see him smoke a blunt a little bit, but, like, we never see any, like, sincere, like, drug trafficking, yeah. drug dealing, drug stuff. Um, that and, episode basically brings you through it. Like, the, there's a process to it. Yeah. Right? That you need... I mean, and this is the point that Al makes, I think, in the next scene, right? Mm. Where they're where they're playing video games and talking, right? How did you get money to put a demo together? Well, gotta sell drugs. Gotta you sell know? drugs, right, yeah. You need capital. Yeah. Yeah, just a startup thing, you know? So from what from this documentary basically goes through like yeah every big Atlanta star except for Lil Yachty Lil Yachty he yeah. seems to be different but he's he's like he's got something else going on yeah, right. he got some, but he even he even is going through the process of drug, drug money you know it's just somebody else's drug money yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah somebody's like I see yeah exactly right. Right. a producer grabs right. him out you know that yeah. did go through that trap process right, that's right. right. Coach K right, that's right. right. exactly that's right. so you yeah I mean it, it's strange you know you always got a sense that, you know, there was, you know, drug money and gangster and hip hop, you know, I guess more LA than, than, you know, East coast. But, um, I guess I never bought into it as, like, I thought I, it was all more just kind of like fodder for the music and, and bravado than it was like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, I'm totally convinced right. that like, you know, this is the way to become a rap star now in that specific place. Well, and what I thought was really fascinating about the documentary, and I, yeah, I, I think it's it's really, really great and really worth watching as kind of a, a companion to yeah. Atlanta, um, is is the, the, the conversation about realness and authenticity. Um, yeah. Because that's, you know, uh, the, the, the Viceland folks certainly seem to kind of focus on that, and that obviously is a, a real predomination for Donald Glover, you know, throughout this show. You know, how do you be real? How do you be authentic? You know, is it Earn's real self to, you know, commit to his dream or to give up and be that father that takes that mediocre job just so that way there will be some money, whatever it is. It's the conversation in the wing joint in the second episode. Exactly, right? Yeah. It's that whole idea. Um, and and so that, that you know, 21 Savage in that says, you know, because the guy kind of asks him, like, hey, like, you really do all this stuff, you know? And he's like, look, this is in the past, obviously. Like, that should be obvious. They're like, I don't do that stuff now. Like, this is stuff I had to do, but now I don't do it now. But to him, you know, that was an expression of authenticity still, you know, that there was still, like, a realness that had been earned. Um, you know, and it kind of compares to this moment later on in the documentary where T.I. basically tells Gucci, like, you can't do both. Like, you know, at first you have to do both, but eventually you can't do both, you know? Like, you cannot be the super rich drug dealer and also the, you know... Super rich rap guy. Super rich rap guy. Like, you can't do both, you know? And so that kind of, like, limitation, I think, creates, like, new cages, new boundaries. I mean, all these themes that we've seen develop over the last three episodes for these characters, like, Mm -hmm. seem to really kind of lock these guys in, Uh, you know? I mean, like... Earn tells Al, try not to die. And Al's response is, every day. Every day. You know, and, uh, <laughs> to me, it brought back my Game of Thrones feel. You know, what do, what do we say to the God of Death? Not today. not today. You know, and so it's 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 that kind of like, 
yeah, this this character is risking so much, but there kinds to see there there seems to be no other option. What are the choices? What, right? what else can you do? I mean, not be a rap star, I guess. Just <laughs> right. be a drug dealer, right. or, or you know, make no money and live off you know work at the airport or something. Work at the airport and you know scrape by. Uh, you know, I I do think you know as. Um, you know, there is a social message kind of hidden in this episode, in the show altogether. You know, I think we've seen it more explicitly in the last episode. But but it's it's there's not a lot of options for talent, you know, for people that, that you know, have something to say in this world. Um, you know, I, I like in, the, in the, uh, the documentary, I think it's 21 Savage says, like, well, you know, the rich people have to get their drugs from somewhere. They, oh, where yeah. do you think that they come from? Yeah. You know, they yeah. come from us. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're the whole like, world is a drug area. That's it. Yeah. We're a necessary component to the system. Al's just filling a role. What's interesting to me is, um, I think, Earn's take on that. Because Earn is not committing to that lifestyle either. He seems to reject that. You know, um, he's a little taken back during the conversation playing video games, you know. He it never dawns on him that to that that where the money's coming from, and it doesn't seem like he wants to go that route either. No, right? Um, no, he definitely seems a little like oh, but he, I think he also thinks that like, I, how did I not know this? Like I'm so stupid. Right. Like duh, of course. But also he, I think because he shows such a little interest in doing that himself, because yeah. he's, I mean like even just like going back to him in the prison and all that kind of stuff. Like he's not of that world. Like he can't be. He doesn't fit in anywhere. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. Exactly. He he's authentic. He's He's earnest. Uh, I think we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, Still true. Still true. Yeah, and and by yeah, I think we talked about the other meeting too about earning money. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's. I I think that comes through in this episode more than the other two. All those those little metaphors. Um, But yeah, the he. It's not just I'm not going to be legitimate. I'm not going to be illegitimate. It's I'm going to be my own thing. Mm -hmm. You know that that's. What I, I love that yeah. moment when that when Earn's interpretation of his own thing gets mis or reinterpreted by other people. That seems to be like yeah, a pretty yeah, consistent yeah. thing, really yeah. throughout the whole series so far. But um, in this episode, the, I think the, the best moment of it is the uh, the restaurant scene. You know, when he's in the upscale restaurant and the uh, the server, you know, is of course like piling on all these extra add-ons and things like that that he is now buying for this meal. Um, and she asks if he wants something to drink, and ultimately he gets pressured into getting a drink. And he asks for the oh, yeah. Miller high life and she calls him a hipster and and it's just such a great moment because obviously like we know that he's not a hipster and like she is clearly trying to put this like incredibly positive spin on everything and has like no sense of like these financial barriers all of a sudden in the next scene when he goes to ask the bartender saying i just paid market price for something how much money do i have and the bartender just says dude you broke as fuck you know, like that, 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 that guy understands the, that, that true earn, right? That true self that he's, this isn't a hipster. This isn't an act. Like this is a guy who's in trouble, you know? Well, that waitress is a great saleswoman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. She's doing her job. She's doing her job. Just yeah. like the day manager. She's very pleasant. Just like Van, right? Van mm-hmm. has something to talk about at dinner about, about the work. Earn doesn't, I mean, earns, he's not doing very well. He only made $96 this week or whatever. And, um, He's also, um, he, I don't see him really producing Al's stuff. What's his Paperboy thing, you know? Right. He sits down, he's playing video game and smoking a blunt with them. He says, we need a new revenue stream. Well, he's the revenue stream. He's, <laughs> right. you're, you're supposed to be the guy that, that makes the magic, that creates the money, you know? Right. That's why you're valuable. And the idea that he ends up taking money from his guy right. that he should be providing money for. Right, that he has to loan 20 bucks from Yeah. Out. I mean, so there is, I think, a sort of kind of self-righteousness in him that the show's not afraid to portray. You know what I mean? A, a mm-hmm. kind of delusional, yeah. you know, sense of his own grandiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to have all of these, like, authentic, you know, points of view, but you have to have something that backs it up. Well, I think it keeps the show engaging. I mean, for me, this yeah. is, I think, the issue with the show, like, Silicon Valley, is that, like, those guys are never going to fail. Like, they're going to have obstacles, but at the end of every season, the right. same thing with Entourage. Like, at the end of every season, they'll pull it together, <laughs> damn it, you know? And if it's not the end of the season, it'll be the first episode of the next season, you know? And, and so, like, because of this, you legitimately get the sense that, like, yeah, Earn is incredibly talented, but like that's probably not enough. You, you, know? you get the sense that this the end of an episode, the end of the series, he could be worse off yes. than when he started. Absolutely, and that that's, that's bold. Very, that's very bold. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you have you ever seen this this nightmare of a show, uh, Ballers, about oh. the, the, 
I mean, I've seen ads for it. You got to see these people like crying over like their millions because they're not billions. Like it's horrifying. I watch it just to like torture myself. I think. Yeah. No. Yeah, but I I, going back to this thing of authenticity, like just him on his phone, right? Like looking at the phone, seeing the direct deposit, having a call, like just the the thing, and and he can't. She tries to tell him the story about, like, a woman sniffing white out. That's what the story is about. Yeah. She's like, I, I told you about... He was it's a student, right? One of her students? I thought... I don't... I don't know. I didn't know it was a student. I did seem like somebody who was below her, but I didn't know there was a student. Oh, maybe. Like, I don't oh. know. I, that's, that's how I interpreted it. But. Uh, maybe it was. I kind of... I that person has real problems. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but that he can't even, like, engage in the conversation with her because he's got a cold call for yeah. $20. Right. And it's like... And I think you also get the sense that if Vanessa knew, like, how little he had made that week, like, she would not have gone to this restaurant. Oh, yeah. Oh, the stakes you know, are high. It's all, yeah. it's so, yeah. you know, he, it's just the, well, let's go to the gag with the, with the parking lot thing, and the guy with the vest, <laughs> and he does come in to tell the guy, like, I love that, because people are really funny about parking. Of course, I am. Right? Well, yeah, but, like, the idea that, like, people would just be like, yeah, okay, this seems legit. Like, <laughs> well, no, but that's another example of a guy that's right? hustling and making exactly. dough. Right? Yeah. He's working so much harder than her. Like, Everybody else is working harder than her. We see yeah. Earn listening to a lot of music, but I don't see him producing any music, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when Van comes in the next scene, right, and he's listening to uh, Cousin Stiz, <laughs> another band I don't know. Apparently, like these aren't all Atlanta people, though. Um, no, but I think it's it's like the Atlanta sound, right? That's yeah, like I think so. This Cousin Stiz is from somewhere else. I looked it up, um, but he's listening to a, a, Kong, uh, a song called Shout Out. And the verse is basically, shout out to the money from the drugs, right? It's a song about selling drugs to make money, right? Mm -hmm. To earning something. And so I get the impression by just sitting and listening to that, he's kind of like locked down in that mentality. You know, he's going through his mind. But even that might be a little too enterprising for him at this point, right? He's not, he's not moving forward. Right. Surrounded by people that are, you know, to various degrees of legitimacy, making it work for them. He's still living off Vanessa. When she walks in and she says, you can't even pick up your daughter from your parents' house? Like, I totally feel that. I'm like, yeah, yeah of course. Why aren't you doing that? Yeah, and, and he says, well, I thought you were picking her up today. And it's like, yeah, but couldn't you just, like, help? Right. And just yeah. like, I'll go get her? You know, and it's that kind of, I don't know. It's like, I feel like that's like a typical argument that couples have. Yeah. Like, but you said you were going to do that thing. Well, couldn't you help me? Whatever. But I think you're right, though, because we sympathize with both of them, though, because he's so likable and, like, you really want him to succeed. But at this point, at the end of this episode, you're kind of like, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I do think that changes. I think think we do see a little more business side as we're going. Mm -hmm. But this is what I mean about this placement of this episode here. I think you still have to kind of, like, mine these, like, early steps when you're not really sure about what to do and you know you got to hit bottom to take some real risks you right. know right. i think that's what he, we well are. he says that right yeah. i mean that's kind of right. how he starts his conversation with vanessa like we need to be able to fail and do all this stuff but it's hard people yeah. don't buy into it because if you keep screwing up like well and that's earned right i mean right. he's the guy who keeps screwing up that, right. you know I, one of my favorite lines in the episode is he basically like Tucks so finds he pulls out this tucked away bottle of champagne that he's got like super hidden away, like still yeah. in the black bag from the liquor ca- from the liquor store, and he just says, "I might just win tonight," yeah. you know. And it's like, well, of course you're not going to, you know. Like we 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 kind of as the audience like have a pretty good understanding of like where things are going to go. I mean, we want him to, and not that it's not that it's totally a dead giveaway or anything like that, but we, I, I, you know, I think we know enough about Earn to know that like, oh, once you said it, dude, like you just kind of jinxed it. But but I I, I think it's really awesome to like watch that unfurl and to like see those moments where like he kind of thinks he's lost it and then maybe he's got it in it back and then still kind of losing it again you know that it is still that kind of constant back and forth it's not like decided at that moment but that that it it kind of rounds out with him drinking the champagne hating the taste of champagne (laughs) um and calling and reporting his debit card stolen you know so that way he's still drinking it alone exactly right i guess the alone's maybe the most important part all right so the flip side of that though is he's not not winning either Right, because he says it himself. He says, "Look, I'm technically homeless, but I'm sleeping in a bed." You know, and he will this night too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all charm, though. No results. You know, right. and I think that's another like I think brilliant aspect about this character and the writing of the show that 
I, I'm questioning how much he's charming me as an audience member a lot of times as well, you know, because he seems to be full of shit with most of the people in the, in the show, and we're in on it. But there's certain moments, like that moment where he's like, I might just win tonight, where I, I'm like, who is he charming here? Himself? Right. Me? You know what I mean? Like, it's very complex, I hmm. think, you know? Well, I think a moment like that is, is and even it's just that, that word might, you know, like gives yeah. us this idea that like he's not, like yes, he is egocentric in that like he's totally consumed with himself, but that's like kind of a, a, a need at this point. Like that subsistence level, like if he doesn't think about himself, nobody else will. Like he's going to die, you know? So I think that like you don't get arrogance from him in the in a moment like that, you know? Right, it's just right. genuine, sincere, like, oh yeah, like he knows that like he is on thin ice all the time. Like he is always about to break, you know? And I, I think that that scene, like both when he's alone with the bottle saying I might just win, and when he's alone with the bottle talking about how much he hates it, can't sign the credit card, are like both really great, just genuine moments with him. Yeah. I um yeah, I I mean I think I'm always tending to sympathize with him more. Mm. I mean, because, you know, he's central to the story and all of that, probably because I'm a male and it's in my DNA to, to you know, to, to move me that way. I don't know. But I, I feel like I'm always questioning my, my sympathies with him. You know what I mean? Like, it's a default. And I, I think it's part of the design of the writing. It's a default that I have to go like, oh, no. You know? Like, all right. So the, the next episode, sequentially, is... When they're laying in bed and they have the discussion about stereotypes, which I thought was brilliant. Mm. She said something like, why do you always have to make me into the angry black, black woman? woman yeah. You know what I mean? And then plays with his stereotype about being, uh, you know, a, a, a father that's not there all the time or something like that. Right. Um, I mean, it's cutting, <laughs> you know, because of his status, because he, he we know he has no money in his pocket and... We want him to succeed in all of that. I don't know. There's, um, I think it's hard not to root for him. Absolutely. You know? I mean, especially in that moment where he says, I am the stereotype, you know, yeah. like he, he does kind of embrace it. I mean, but there's those, those moments where it's like, yeah, but are you, you know, I mean, like this is like, you know, on those surface level moments that he's certainly talking about, of course he is, but like, you know, we haven't met a single other character in this show who is like him, you know, I mean, like, oh, no. he doesn't seem yeah. to think that there's anybody else in this world like him, like, you know, his way is so different from every other way, you know, that it's, it's so funny to see, or, or you know, it's so complicating, I guess, you know, like the show is just so complicated of like ideas of like fame and reality and things like that that like I think even just the stereotype itself like becomes really complicated by oh, character absolutely. by earn you yeah. know because like normally when you think about that like you know the the father who's abandoned his child and um, is homeless like you don't think of him as incredibly intelligent right you don't think of him as this kind of like really charming kind of guy right we think of him as this real deadbeat and we'd know he'd be a real jerk you yeah, know? And, uh, like that. no like, he's, he's to against that stereotype I mean even her as the angry black woman you know like yeah he He's playing her up as that, like, in their conversation within each other. But, like, within the show, she's been amazing through three episodes, well, you know? I mean, like, we haven't seen her just as angry black woman. Like, we've seen already, like, depth and nuance to see, her. But I even think there's a twist to that. Because in this scene early on, right, I think that she understands her coming off as that is unfair. And I think it is too, mm -hmm. right? I'm ashamed of myself. I didn't immediately see it. She has to like kind of remind me of that. Right. And all of a sudden, and, and I think you can see it in Ern's face too, where he said, he goes like, yeah, I, I've been inconsiderate here. I get it, right? However, at the end though, after the meal, after everything, when she's walking in, that, in the apartment and dressing him down, it's almost like we're back to that stereotype. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what prompted that, right? I think that's, it could have been some shitty comment that he made, you know, but not, you know, in some cases, the writing has put her in the place where she is kind of coming mm -hmm. off at that stereotype, you know, maybe, maybe unprompted. So I don't think the, um, you know, the, the answer isn't like, oh no, she isn't that at all. It's that to some degree, you know, we are stereotypes right. and we're she not. She isn't that it's, entirely, it's, right? right. Yeah, it's it's that, that complexity that's there. Yeah. Oof. I know. It, it, it's, yeah. I, I'm like... I feel like every character, I, even small characters, I'm kind of grappling with, you know, because it's like life. I mean, I think these characters are like, you know, how, how people work in life. Right. 
Well, and you get this sense that her comments to him... So when she originally... Her, her like, big moment where she is incredibly upset and actually slams the door on him yeah. in, when they come back from dinner is after he makes the comment about her wanting to open her own fashion line and how that's a real original idea. So she gets upset and slams that in his face, like, understandably. But, like, her comments that kind of lead before that all seem to be, like, pretty reasonable requests of, like, hey, if you're going to live here, you need money. Like, why don't you get a job so that you can support your daughter? You know, like, those things that we kind of were talking about earlier is, like, pretty standard societal norms. Like, in terms of the stereotype, right? I mean, that's, like, you know, I guess... Uh, no, I'm with the message. I guess I'm I'm talking about the... Um the amount, I mean, I think the show gives you the impression, like, this conversation has been happening, maybe the whole yeah. ride home. Okay. You know what I mean? And at some point, you know, you just give the guy a break. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of going to be my default mode, mm-hmm. you know, which is probably unfair, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I just think the show is so good at manipulating me and, mm-hmm. and my perceptions of these people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's very complex. Um, so my favorite thing... <laughs> My favorite thing is the um, uh, the pan gag of talking to the guy in the car, right? <laughs> so Ern is talking to his buddy. That's the guy from the from the airport, airport right? right? So one yeah. In in the context, I I had to like question it for a second, but he's um he's on the phone, right? Talking about uh, the different women he's going to take, right? He's giving him the advice to go to the restaurant, and I love that pan where you see he's in the the, the woman is driving, who's clearly. <laughs> you know, in a romantic relationship from. That might be my funny, uh, my favorite, like, funny comedy gag, right? Arrested Development does it a lot, right? Yeah. Where you're hearing a, a, what you think is an intimate conversation. <laughs> Buster's you, been there the whole time. You zoom yeah. out or you pan and you see the character, you know? Um, yeah, that that just kills me. It happens in Always Sunny sometimes, too. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be having this whole thing and you realize it's a bar full of people or something like that. I just, that kills me. I think this is the funniest episode um, of the three. Just in terms of, like, gags that hit. Mm. This one, I, I think the, the car parker guy totally works on every <laughs> yeah, level. Yeah, he's great. Man, the, the part with the me. key and the, oh, the yeah. briefcase. Yeah. All of the Al stuff in the woods. That so, that's so works. Uh. Even the dark stuff is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, like, that that scene is like a... That's a paperboy we haven't really seen yet, right. you know? And so, like, because of that, like, in three episodes, the fact that we have seen three totally different flavors of that character, like, what complexity for, like... And, and I he's think as right. complex I mean, as her. Exactly. And, like, I think Earn definitely still is the heart of this show, but, like, I think Paperboy is so central to, like, what happens in this story and, like, to understanding Earn and, and, and like, I th- and I think a scene like this shows it that, like, you know, to see him all of a sudden, like, out of his element and scared, yeah. like, legitimately scared was, like, you know, a, a complex and also, like, a kind of funny, you know? Like, it was, like, a really silly scene in when it wasn't absolutely horrifying. Why did they make him go there? Um, well, I think it's... Two reasons to intimidate, right? Right, because that's what I think. They are they're legitimately concerned that that Al dimed on them because right. he right. just got out of jail, yeah, right? Quite, yeah. I think that's like, I mean, I, they I, go that are like question and make sure that's right because right. if you, you can't just go to the parking lot because you might have a wire, you need to take you out, right, of, right, you know, right. change up circumstances. So I think it has a lot to do with that, like like the practicality of the, the business. Pra- yeah, yeah. When when the Migos guy says that, I think he's he's being very honest, like yeah. right. we, you know, you we don't know about you, mm-hmm. you know. Which I think also speaks to the the larger idea of like you can't trust anybody no in this trust, world, yeah. and you know it's tough. Mm-hmm. Which creates, I think, maybe more of a, a nice sympathy with the relationship to Darius, who we, we clearly can. Right. I think there's a lot of complex things going on. Um, the other reason is I think the the guy from Migo says that it's boring in the trap. <laughs> you, you know, I yeah. think he, also they just want to kind of get out. He wants to go camping. He wants to. Torment this other guy and shoot him like you know right. some kind right. of like that weird move. <laughs> right. you know? um, so I guess it's just the fun of being a gangster. You can get an RV and go out in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> just go do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, but I think I think like the thinking through of like the strategy of drug dealing and all that. You know, it, it's not upfront. It, it's subtle, but I think it's all there and all very well thought through and written accurately probably. into the show yeah i mean yeah. it seems i mean but but i think at the same time it does like a nice job of like 
and I think the, uh, the the briefcase is a great example to it. Like, it reminds us that, like, what most of our audience knows of drug dealing is from movies. You know, like, of most of what of we know is only from, like, yeah. what we've seen. And so, like, you've got that incredibly, like, serious and, like, horrifying moment of the guy, like, falling out of the camper and then, like, being given his clothes back only to just, like, be, you know, shot at as he runs through the woods. Like, we've got that really awful, frightening shot. And Darius is there in, like, a green turtleneck and a blade. Laser, you know, like he looks like a goofy 70s character that's like totally at like the guys are literally sitting in um, like camping chairs that match their clothes. Like the red guy sits on the red one, the green and the green one. It's just oh, like they mentioned that. Yeah. They mentioned that in uh, the Viceland thing where he was saying, I can't remember who said it. Oh, really? It. Some, th- about them always oh, being. Killer like, Mike saying oh, that Migos look like, like they. No, they're, they're going to be big because I'll tell you what, they, like they're always dressed, they're right. always matching, they always have like they're always dressed up, <laughs> like they right. look like they're ready to perform, which is kind <laughs> Kind of the case in this episode yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. So it's authentically like how they yeah, are. Authentically trapped. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they were they famous when this came out? Like whatever, six eight months ago. Not as. Ago? So I, yeah, yeah, I don't think Not so. Really I, as you say, yeah. I don't I don't know that they were. Um, but their biggest hit, I think, had been out at that time, Maybe. right? Um, but, but it just they, hadn't. It hadn't blown gotten that yet. big yet. As big. Yeah. Now in that Viceland documentary, Donald Glover is seen, yeah. I guess, at the Golden Globes or Grammys at the Grammys, saying that they are the Beatles of their gen- of our generation, uh, and that they're just being ignored by everyone. So like, how interesting to see these guys like not just be featured like you know, phonically on the uh, soundtrack, but, like, to literally play themselves as drug dealers yeah. in this show. Like, you know, now we're adding, I think, like, complexities of, like, Absolutely. realism and authenticity that's, like, you know, Tim O'Brien level, you know? It really <laughs> is just, like, all these, like, you know, are they really Migos or are they playing Migos or are they playing Migos even when they're not the Migos guy? on there? Oh, and the other guy, the fourth Migos! Love that guy! Fourth Migos, he's, uh, he's not gonna make it this t- uh, through the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he talks too much. We're inseparable. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, this is a fun this episode killed me. Yeah. But I so going back to something you said before, the um uh so Darius and Al, even though they are drug dealers, you, I get the impression that they're more like me who's kind of freaked out by like, oh, the yeah. drug dealing. You know what I mean? I, I think that's really smart. Though even even people participating really don't know the extent of what they're in, in a sense. No, because there's always somebody above you. There's always somebody above you. And those people above you are scary as shit. Not yeah. just because they're drug dealers, but it's because they're rich. Rich people are scary because right. they can do anything they want to you. And that's like kind well, of... And it comes back to And face- you can't do anything if you don't have any money. Yeah, I think that's right. Right? Like, I, that's the whole, the crux of the episode, right? Desperation, you know, yeah. gets you off your game. Yeah. And it's another faceless bureaucracy. I mean, like, obviously they're people, but, like, the rules are the rules and they are unflinching. Yeah. And you either deal with them or you get shot. Well, that's... Yeah. Like, like when the guy pulls up and says, no, no, change of plans, follow me in the woods. What do you got to say? No? No, yeah, right. That shot is so looming. Right? Where, where they're driving through in the woods and it's just the two cars and the headlights and it's that aerial shot. It's yeah. actually kind of scary. It reminds yeah. me of Twin Peaks a little yeah. bit. Yeah, a little bit. That, or you're shining, that opening yeah, shot. Yeah, it's very, know, like... Well, it's part very of the music, that's uh, Shabazz Palaces, uh. which I love. Shabazz, that's one of my favorite rap bands working right now. And, uh... They have such like a creepy, like almost like horrorcore yeah. like sound to them, mm-hmm. and that is like the perfect choice, you well, know. In that Viceland documentary, uh, Killer Mike says Georgia is outside of Atlanta, yeah, you know, right. and not that Atlanta is inside yeah, Georgia, right. you know. And so I got that sense because when they're driving out there, like the, you are in a totally different setting. Like aesthetically, our colors are different, our lighting is different. Like it is super dark. There are no lights, and, and, and I it adds so much kind of frightening. Mm-hmm. Like, so so much setup or expectation of fear. And I think that, like, that turns out to be, like, a really ripe environment for gag, for comedy, you right. know, to, like, to break and release that tension. I mean, in that way, it's got kind of, like, a, a get-out vibe to it because it's, like, so uncomfortable yeah, that you're, yeah. like, really just happy to laugh about anything. And especially if the thing that you're laughing about is, like, a, a pretty goofy, like, social foible, you know? It's just like, oh, this guy talks too much. He'll probably be dead, you know? It's like, ha-ha, yes! But it, it just, it turns out hilarious. Well, the, like, the other gruesome joke is um uh he's got his hand his hand is cuffed to the case oh, yeah. oh we have we're gonna solve that you know automatically cut commercial yeah. yeah black you know smash cut commercial you come back you keep the money and <laughs> yeah. we'll keep the money you keep the briefcase as opposed to chopping my arm off is that the <laughs> like but yeah i mean that that heightens kind of fear you know 
undercut by the humor, I think it's, it's yeah. great. And it's perfect. It's like, yeah, of course you just take the money out of the briefcase. I don't want the briefcase. Like, whatever. <laughs> but, then, but he doesn't... Darius no, doesn't of course know. not. He's like, uh... That, yeah, he, he's outside of that world. Right. Also, the fact that they're like, you know, right before he kind of gets into it about him being in jail and kind of accusing him, making sure like everything's cool. Like, they also obviously bring them out there to shoot that guy oh, in yeah, front of them. absolutely. Right? It's and part then, of the like, show. Just like the whole mm-hmm. thing of like, why are, you, why are you scared? And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how funny, you know, it's part of the show, and like, okay, like, how much of the, like, that question brings you back to authenticity, like, in so many different ways, like, you know, even as drug dealers, they are, you know, posturing in a certain specific way because of these fears, you know, because of the things that they are afraid of, and their, you know, their workmanship, right, I mean, this is always coming back to, like, grinding out to make your money, and they're grinding and willing to put on that show, you know, willing to be inauthentic, if that's what that means, you know, to get what they need, you know, to make sure that he didn't roll on them and that he's somebody that they can trust. Yeah. It just strikes me now, in the, the Vice documentary, the Migos have a similar thing, right? Uh, the, the the guy interviewing the host of that show, yeah. who I don't care for, but um, yeah. but he walks up to them and they, they say, oh, you mic's like... Yeah, you, you got a wire? You got, exactly. Yeah, like, like, what's the deal? You have, a, you have a badge in that pocket? Like, I think that's part of the lifestyle, is just... Right. Always worrying about who's, um, you know, looking to take you down. Well, yeah, because they got arrested, right? Because yeah. they're at their show, right? Uh, police, yeah. Thing. And, and Killer Mike, Southern Georgia, right? Right. Well, Killer Mike's whole thing is like, if you're not, if you're going south, like you ride clean, Correct. like yeah. completely clean. No weed, no guns. Know, you got to know that like they're gonna come at you, yeah. and they do. Yeah. Georgia's awful. <laughs> sorry, I'm you, sorry. You're hurting our, our enormous Georgia listeners. Yeah, sorry. I know. People who just listen because well, they no, saw Atlanta, that Atlanta actually, in the Atlanta is cool. Like, I like Atlanta. Atlanta's and the rest cool. of Georgia is kind of scary. I was only in Atlanta for like two days. I loved it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah, like I just I, got a glimpse of it, but it was great. Yeah, it's very cool. But I, I, I agree. It's like really weird once you get out of there. It's very, yeah. it's so different. Hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> different. Yeah, I would agree. It's so weird. <laughs> so, speaking of guns, um, uh, I, another brilliant conversation is the uh, the, the calling your gun daddy thing. It's oh like, yeah, kills me. I oh wait, what was so the line? He goes, oh, uh, it, it's because he says like, well, what about Poppy? He's like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, oh, because it's in Spanish now. Like, he's like, it's cultural. It's cultural. It's cultural. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that mean? A girl calls me daddy. Something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh. So uh, a good gag in that scene, right? So. When they're, um, I, I think the music is used great in this in this episode. So while they're cleaning the guns, they're playing a Migos song called "Cook It Up," right? Mm-hmm. We go to commercial. When we come back, we get um, we get uh, Ern and Van in the car going to the date. They're playing some like modern R and B song. What is it? Uh, get it, Shawnee by Get Light. it, Shawnee. Get you know it, that? Shawnee. Oh yeah, it's like two thousand five, two thousand six. I don't know this. Yeah. All right. So uh, that, my friend in college showed me a great music video of that <laughs> mashed up with different scenes from Aladdin. It's okay. uh, it was, oh, it was brilliant. Thank you, Campbell. Yeah, it was. It was like oh, it was, yeah. It was like a, just a really silly video where it was just like shaking this big giant structure and to get it shouting. So you know this. Oh yeah. Okay. So that makes sense to me, right? You know, you put on a sexy R and B song. I guess. I mean, I don't know too much about Lloyd, but he seems sexy to me. And. Um, <laughs> He's set in the mood. You get that, right? Migos wouldn't work here. But it does work when you're cleaning guns and, like, starting yeah. a thing, right? So music being used appropriately. Now we get the cut to um, Darius oh, and Al in the car. And they're listening to, um, wait, what is it? They're listening to Cheryl Lynn um, Encore, which I'm like, what is that? I said, it's like this bubblegum R&B song from the, the 80s. And there, there's, like, that doesn't fit. Like, that's a yeah. great reveal. They're like, loving it. Like, what a fun, like, you know, uh, soundtrack gag. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're, like, trying to hit the notes. And like, come on, you do the next one. Oh, yeah. And then they have come to on. just cut it. And they're both grooving so much, you know? I mean, like, they're, they're almost <laughs> not even looking at each other, just, like, you know, in it. And, and you're right. I mean, it and makes pulls the, up and they, it makes the cut so much more scary when the other guy comes up and is like, change of plans. Change no, of plans. no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're no longer singing uh, Cheryl Lynn. You know, yeah, right, exactly. Out Cheryl Lynn. Song each other. is over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think it's interesting too to get a Chowdy, You know, that's her car. You know, and so like her music, her car, like you know, using right. soundtrack right. to establish space oh, and atmosphere and things like that. You know, like Ern's headphones aren't that. You know, and so it's it's interesting that that's that's her space. That's good. That makes sense. Yeah, even the idea, like. 
you know, the idea that he's going to drive her car to their date, you know, all these like subtle, like, which totally makes sense in real life, Mm -hmm. you know, but has these kind of like slight, you know, sprinkles of emasculation all over it, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and and it's funny, you know, I mean, uh, sometimes her emasculation moments and, and maybe this has the complexity or, or kind of her character development, but like they're whether or not they come from a good place. I mean, I think we can definitely say that, you know, but not, not that that makes them any less mean, but that like, you know, sometimes she, um, as she kind of absolves him of one sin, kind of throws something else in his face. And I don't know if that's right. passive aggressive or what, how we would characterize that. But like, you know, when, when he's like, is this about the bail thing? And she's like, you think you're the first guy I've had to bail out of jail? You know, which is like, it's, it's, on one hand, yes. it's like, hey, don't worry about this, you know. But on the other hand, it's like, I've, you are just one little yeah. guy, you know, and I am a very complex person who has lots of options and can do this for lots of people, yeah. you know. I mean, not that she's, you know, super wealthy or rich by any means, but definitely in a, such a different class than we see her in. And I think given her situation and her history with him, from what we understand, completely justified. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. To, to keep that distance, to not only be pressuring him to maybe do something with his life, but demonstrate that, like, she's not, you know, somebody just to be taken for granted, right. you know? Well, and also not just a character who, within the show, exists for Earn. You know, yeah. she has her own story. She has her own life. And, like, you know, we kind of want to know about it, but we can't because Earn's always off doing something else, right? Because there's always some other thing that gets in the way, you know? And so I think that, like, that kind of rounding out of her character, like, adds to the, the gives you the room to play with nuance and the room to play with her at, like, different levels yeah. throughout the episode. The, um, yeah, so I think that's all through the waitress scene. Yes. Where where she's, the upselling is is brilliant, you know? But you know what I really like? How they give you the the figure. You know, I think a lesser show wouldn't give you that, what is it, $96. Yeah. Subtract away whatever for something. $31. We end up with like 60 something, right? So now, as she's upselling, and they're throwing out these numbers, you have to do the math in your head. And like, (laughs) you're going. Market price. It's so. Yeah, wait, what is the market price? I, like, that's always I never scary. order anything that's the market never. price because I'm too embarrassed to ask <laughs> what the market price is. I won't order it. I never order the market never, price. But, man, I felt every moment of that anxiety. <laughs> yeah. You know, particularly being a guy. Like, I remember being broke oh, in college yeah. and going on a date and, like, shit, do I have enough money for that? And thinking, horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Oh, my God. And you could see him, like, almost, like, shrink in the chair mm-hmm. as it's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just, like, my own anxiety. Well, and like, she calls him on it. She says, you're doing that sad boy face thing yeah, again, right, you know? Right. And it's, and it's on one hand, it's like, look, Earn, as an audience member, this is totally justified because that is harrowing, you know? that whole, Like, every step of that ladder hurt on the way down, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but that from her end, she really is kind of like, we're not going to go out if you're going to pout about how much money you're spending, you know? Like, that doesn't make sense as a thing anymore, you know? And that, like, I I think it just justifies her because, yeah, that's, like, a really, like... It's just a complicated moment, you know? And I think it it, it plays so many sides of that complication all for the best, you know, Without, without letting it feel... It's boring. I mean, how many times have you seen like the, the, the sitcom show where one person on a date orders way too much food, you know? It's like, it's so, it's such schlock that this turns into something nuanced and like, and, and, and challenging. Like, this is so impressive. She doesn't, and like, she clearly doesn't go into it being like, I'm going to spend all sorts of, like, it's <laughs> right. not, you know what I mean? She's just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know what another layer to the whole thing is? He's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like, he's probably legitimately hungry and he wants to order like, the incredible booyah bass that sounds amazing right, for twenty four dollars soup. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, like I, I think there's. I, that's why I think this. We we get the happy meal scene in the beginning, yeah. right? right? Because these work really well together. He's not eating enough. He wants to enjoy like life in this restaurant as well. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on in his head. You know, yeah. oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and then right right after that, he rushes off. I think to. Uh, to, to get the... Uh, Cancel the credit card. The credit card. Oh, yeah. Which I also love because I, I think we've seen this before, too, where Ern thinks he's going to, like, have an ally in somebody that turns out just to, like, mock him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you're broke, man. Like, that's terrible. Like, like somebody just give this guy a break, you know? <laughs> it's really good. Um, all right. So we come back from commercial after that whole sequence, and you get them at the table talking. Mm. And this last time I watched it, I was thinking, like, 
this is this is really the first time we hear like Earn. I think really searching his soul, like really like like telling you like what's on his mind, his philosophy. Mm. We've heard it from other people, like his father in the first mm. episode, but it's the first time he's laying it out. And I was wondering like how much is to be believed. Mm. You know, that's what I was trying to articulate before about he's not somebody that um, I think you you can take for granted everything he's saying. You know what I mean? Is he now trying to sell the only commodity he has, his charm, you know, like the uh, waitress has upsold him on Booyah Base, you right, know, right. whatever it is. Um, I'm not sure. I think ultimately we're supposed to take this as like some kind of like authentic plea, though. You know, you know where he says um, what, you know... People need a chance. People need to fail. You know, they need to kind of go through the process of the thing. Mm. Again, another process, right? But I guess this is different because it's a process on your own terms, you know? Well, that's what he wants. That's you what know, he and wants. maybe maybe that's kind of coming back to that same conflict again, right? And that, like, he says there's a process, but he refuses all steps of the process, yeah. you know? Like, he seems to, to be totally intent on his own process, yeah. you know? Yeah, ultimately, I buy it. But, you know, I, I think... Just making me question it is is a smart. It's a smart, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, you you, you buy it from this side of the screen. Yeah. You know, you'd hate to have to rely on it, and I think that is very clear. In yeah. that, like, while he may be an exciting person, an engaging individual, he'd be a lousy partner. You know, and, and parent. That, and parent, yeah. I mean, it always comes back to like yeah. that when they come back in the apartment, like the doors open and you see the nursery, like very clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the nursery yeah, yeah. looks great, by the way. Like Vanessa, like clearly. Is like being a mom. Is like as tree, best as she the can. tree was stenciled. Yeah, you can see that. Like, the whole thing. Love went into that. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I noticed you know, that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yep, yeah, there it is. Like, yeah, yeah, you can fail and you can like do you when it's just you, but it's not just you. Right. And she doesn't even like, I don't think Vanessa necessarily even like plays it like it's me. Like, she's just like, you have a kid with me. Yeah. Like, you can't let her down. Like, I'm fine. I can do me, but like, you right. can't, yeah. you know. I think that that's like an interesting part of her character. Like, I, I really. I don't, like, I, she's not as enjoyable to watch on screen as Ernie. She's not charming. Yeah. But mm. she's, like... But she's a, right. But she's, like, a better person, right? <laughs> like, she's very attractive, too. Yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> Physically. Yeah. yeah, no, she's beautiful, but... So, we, I don't think we ever get the real timeline on it, but from my understanding, right, she must be pregnant before Ern goes off to college, right? That's the impression I got. And then he, I, I get, because you get the impression he has come back recently. Yes. yes. The kid is, like, what? A year and a half, too? Not even, a, I don't know. I, I couldn't be more than a year and a half, I don't think. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm kind of... So, in essence, all I'm trying to suggest is he abandoned her. You know what I mean? Right. Physically. Said, you know, yeah. you raise this kid, I'm going up to Princeton. Princeton. And then doesn't even follow through with it. You right. know? She's a saint, considering all that. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean... Well, and I think it's 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 her. She is a saint, and her kind of like character development is as such that she like doesn't have to throw that in front of his face. Like she doesn't have to say like, "Look how hard I work," you know. Instead, it, it, they're more kind of like sincere pleas about him. You know, will you go and pick her up? Why can't you do this thing? As opposed to like you know having to give the litany of like, "I do this, 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 this." Right, you know, right. like it's 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 so much more understated. It's because it's apparent. It's right. So it, you yeah. walk in her apartment, we're in her car, like yeah. So, all right, so I do, the end of the dinner has a bunch of really cool things. First, you get him lashing out at the waitress, which, like, you're fucking killing me today, man. <laughs> like, really. Like, oh, the pain in that is, is amazing. Um, and, but what really gets me is the tip situation at the end, yeah. right? Now, it is unconscionable not to tip a server. Absolutely. For many years of, of being a server, I understand all this. Um, but what she says to him is, I think, really loaded, right? She go, what does she say exactly? She says, um, you know, you have to tip him uh, just because uh, you earn twice as much as her because you have a dick and she doesn't. Yeah, you know, yeah, There's yeah. no reason. That, I man, that hits hard, right? Because what she's basically doing is laying this, like, accurate, you know, but maybe not greatly timed criticism, (laughs) social criticism on him, right? It's probably true that, you know, it's definitely true that, you know, women don't make as much as men and that's a horrible shame. But he can't hear that in that moment because he's not making anything. anything. Yeah, on a person-to-person instance, that's not always, you know, inherently. But what, like, how 
horrible, how pitiful must he feel in that moment? Right. And I don't think she's doing that on purpose, right? Mm. It's just kind of a natural... She's making, you know, a little bit of a social stance because it's righteous and and she should. Right. But he's hearing a completely different thing than she's saying or mm. she's intending there. Right, yeah. I mean, she's, uh, you know, he hears you make more than her just because you're a man. So, like, a step down at your quality of, you know, to discount whatever quality you actually have. Oh, and also, by the way, like, he knows he doesn't make any money anyway. And so that, like, even that is too much money. You know, like, even that is him being overpaid and overcompensated for, you know, his manhood. is like, it's, it's, it's a double well, yeah, slap. Yeah, he works on commission, which is, the like, the worst, for, for his personality type, that is the worst possible job he could have. Right, he has no follow-through. No, and he clearly like is made very uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations. Somebody trying to sell you something generally, especially in an airport, is uncomfortable. Right, exactly. Right, oh, and he Got knows clothes. that yeah. he can't. He will not. Again, he's uncompromising. He's not going to like leech off people like trying to sell them stuff at the airport. Meanwhile, his buddy's great at it, and so is the older woman. Oh, oh she's oh, amazing. Yeah. She puts right? the charm because, on. Yeah, because you have to have somewhat be okay with taking advantage of other people if you're going to sell stuff right. for the most part. See, I get the impression that if he had the will, he'd be great at it, though. Oh, yeah. You know well, what I mean? Well, that's the thing. Right. If he thought it was a good... Like, if he believed in it, he's right. very charming. He could sell stuff. Of course. But he won't. He won't do it. Because right. it's weird. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I get it. it like, in so many ways, like, like, he is, like, the textbook gifted student, you know? Like, yeah. the, somebody who was tagged early on as having incredible skill and talent, and so, because of that, had never developed any sense of, like, drive or follow-through or determination, you know, and yeah, can rely on that charm um, until you can't anymore, right. you know? So it's, it, it, yeah, that, that whole uh, exchange with her is, is a, a, a kick in the balls, you know? Yeah. And that's, so we get that, and then we get, we don't hear anything from their conversation again until you get back to... You should take the security job. Exactly. Yeah. And um, a rapper is something that a high school student wants to do, you yeah. know, not a real, implied not a real man. Right. You know? Child, not adult. Yeah, a child, not adult, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's tough. You know, that's tough to really, I think, sympathize with her in that moment, too, because you do get this just kind of, like, nagging quality. Like, because we don't see the whole rest of the Mm -hmm. exchange, I think it's implied that it's so much of this. And his quip back is... Not completely inaccurate. Not completely inaccurate. And, you know, slight compared to my impression of what she has been saying to him, you know? Right. Well, because he, she asked, like, well, what do you want to do? And he says, I don't know. And she tells him what she wants to do, which is open a fashion boutique, and he throws it in her face. Because what, what else can he throw in her face? She's doing pretty well otherwise. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. she, yeah. I know. And then he has the um, really heartfelt plea to the response, that's some dumb shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's great, you know I mean? Because it's all still that one single shot, you know I mean? The, the camera stays right on there, and there's no music, you know I mean? Nothing to pad it. So enough we're like, for a second we're like, oh, yeah, we've seen this happen in movies, <laughs> you know? And then she's just, that's some dumb shit. It's going to be a hug. Yeah, right? And, and, well, and that's the thing that, to me, like, brings it back to, like, uh, uh, Alfred and Darius, because, like, that's also some movie shit that they're doing, you know? That's like, you know... It's, handcuff the suitcase to your hand like put on your big dress suit so that way you uh, look fly you know like ridiculous kind of perspective um, that ultimately turns out to be nothing like what the movies had prepared them for this show has the best like total juxtapositions Mm -hmm. it's amazing right it's just full of these ironies I think you're right yeah so the final thing with um, him you know out on the I guess that porch drinking the champagne and canceling his debit card or whatever he's doing, is up against Migos spraying the champagne, mm-hmm. which which I listen to and is just about like being so wealthy and spraying champagne, spraying champagne everywhere. He's sucking it down. He doesn't even like it, right? This like totem of like you know Victor success opulence. and wealth. Yeah, success is just like such a bummer at the end of it. It's. It's so, so undercutting and great. Well, and how, how, like, fitting that, like, he doesn't like the taste of success. You know, like, well, the, the, that, like, <laughs> incredible symbol of, like, success and opulence. Like, he doesn't actually care for that, you know? Like, he'll choke it down because, like, damn it, he wants to feel like he's won something. You know, it's a, it's a consolation, you know? And, and you know, how, how, how difficult to, like hate the thing that you are fighting towards, you know, like that was his goal and he didn't even like his goal, 
you know? So right. I think he's, he, it's just like, there's just so much. <laughs> Every time I think about that, I just come back to that line about I am the stereotype. And like, yeah. I just like laugh at well, like how incredible, that, right? complex. Yeah. He hates is. cliche. Right. Right. I love like the conversation with Van earlier, right? He's like, oh, you like those corny dudes, right? Yeah. The ones like, oh, uh, my dreadlocks are in a bun. bun. Yeah. yeah. Right, because those are all the cliches, right? He he has like um, he can sniff those out. Yeah, he has a real keen sense of that, yeah. and and stays away from I it. I think that's you know? why he gets kind of bummed out when he finds out that his cousin's a drug dealer. Of course, he's a drug exactly. dealer. Well, yeah, it's cliche. Well, that's because what else is he gonna mm-hmm. do? And he kind of says that he's like, "What else am I gonna do?" That's an excellent point. Mm. I I think that's right. Yeah, he's always disappointed by the cliche. The champagne is like the perfect emblem of that at the end. Mm. Oh man, that's so great. Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. Really good. So last thing I have is uh, the title, which, I, am I missing something? I just think it's a little on the nose, go for broke. I, You know, considering that the last one I thought was so smart, mm-hmm. right? Streets on Lock, I think, had so many, you know, kind of rich ideas kind of locked into it metaphorically. I mean, they're broke, you know? <laughs> but I, that also means, like, you know... Go for it. Yeah, so like, I, think it's, I think it's a combination of, like, being broke and taking a risk and the idea that, like, yeah. brokeness yields risk-taking behavior, you know? I mean, like, so, uh, like yeah, I, I agree. It's it's far more straightforward. I mean, I think it's even fine. the same way that, like, you know, Big Bang is, like, eh, kind of clever for the first oh, episode. Big Bang was clever, you know, yeah. but, but But I think that, like, this, to me, is, like, kind of a more standard television episode title. Like, yep, yeah. they're broke. They're going to go for it. That, okay. would be my, that would be my only slight criticism, though, right. really. I think... I think beat for beat, it's amazing. I don't know that um, I'm that excited consistently about like shows. Like I don't see a flaw in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm almost a little like usually. I, I mean, I like to come in and have a little criticism of something. Okay. I'm not finding a lot to criticize yeah. here. I mean, I found a way to criticize like oh, threading, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, you, you know. I mean, because nobody's perfect, but right. three. Three for three. So far, it's so right? good. There's it's not much to... Why? It's watching so this episode, and I was like, oh, it's over already? Yeah. Like, I didn't want it to be over. He tells so much in 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just insane. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right, what's the next episode called? Do you know? Uh, yeah, the Streisand effect is where we oh. head next. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. All right, yeah. All right, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Champagne on us, off for fucking up the catch up with Louboutin Luffles. 2500, nigga, I put in the soul. And nigga, we got the crime, and my nigga, let's go. Hocus Pocus, you niggas know that I be exposed. And I be thinking God every day, cause a nigga chose. So many gold chains on my nigga turn gold. I be whipping and jumping and Lamborghini like it's stole. Salute to the OGs who gave us the crime. Shout out to the Migos, the nigga by in the style. When I'm on stage, nigga, jumping like a rain. Fresh champagne, I love the damn crowd. Ain't part of the squad, then don't come around. And the young rich nigga, you not welcome around. See your favorite rapper fighting the style. Cause the Migos, we got the crown.